everyone. Welcome back to the preview pod. And this is going to suck. Um, so this is the preview pod for UFC 270, or as I like to call it, Dana White Contender or Series Fraternity House. This is basically this is Contender Series, the movie. <laughs> yeah, it, and well, oh I mean, we, we hope you like the Dana White Contender Series people, because we don't, but anyways um because you're gonna watch a lot of them <laughs> yeah yeah you're gonna watch a lot of them and you're gonna be like i want to like these guys but i don't i could be watching better cards like 267 268 and 269 again but that's not happening because instead we got this card so um if you expected the high quality research of previous things you're in partial luck, but not a lot of luck. We we tried our best, but some of we, these we, are, we, are we, rough. We, we tried. We tried. Fuck that. Fuck that. Um, there's only so much of this you can stand without having a brain aneurysm. <laughs> so, but the good news is there are a few fights worth watching. There's always one or two, and I'd say there's two or three on this card worth watching. Maybe four, if we're being nice. I don't know. Let's let's begin and we'll see. Yeah. So we're going from the bottom to the main event. Uh, mm-hmm. According to according to Tapoli, as we usually do. Um, so we're starting at welterweight is Jack Della Madalena versus Pete Rodriguez, um, and this one should be fun at least. <laughs> um, do you want me to start this one? Yeah, I think you got the main read on this okay, one. Okay, so, can... so Madalena is like one of the of the better signings from Contender Series that we've seen lately. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very fun, like pace fighter. He boxes very well. He uses a high guard, um, a lot of a lot of catch and pitch counters. He uses um, he slips very well mechanically. Um, puts on a lot of pace. Um, has decent cardio despite not being used to fight uh, his fights going the distance most of the time. But yeah, I mean he's he's fun to watch. Uh, Pete Rodriguez on the other on the other hand, it's like I don't know, he's very raw. He he looks he looks like he has like decent hands. Like you can tell he has work on his boxing. On the, yeah, like, he has he has a few knockouts. It's kind of hard to get a read on Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean the, the most go fast. most of his fights are like early knockouts he he punches well at least but we don't know uh the thing is that he's up to a fight and madalena forces you to fight so this should be fun um yeah madalena really really puts the pace on you i think his main weapons is jab in particular like he's really active with it you also see little lever punching even off of shifts from him so it's like it kind of feels like there's a big experience gap here madalena is gonna get hit but it's probably more likely he'll hit you a lot yeah. more Getting, getting hit by Rodriguez is dangerous, so Rodriguez should be like uh, a live dog on this one. But I mean, logic pick here him. is Jack de la Madalena by. I'm picking him by knockout on the second round. Likewise, yeah. Um, um our, our second fight is um actually, did they move the positioning of this? Yeah, fight? this was this was on the main card, like on some yeah, so topology, but that ridiculous. So anyways, this is one of the fights that we actually do care about. Um, prelim at Featherweight, three-rounder between Ilya Tapuria, prospect, and kind of, um, would we say, gatekeeper, um, journeyman, Charles Jordan? Mm, I mean, one, one half in prospect territory, the other the other foot on, on journeyman, yeah. But action fighter, let's put it like that. Yeah, um, this fight, I think, as long as it lasts, is going to rule. Taporia, I think, is like considered one of the prospects people should be keeping an eye on just because um, his pressure game, his sense of distance, his shot selection. Um, in particular, I love his body attacks off the resets. It's um, check hooks, in particular, are his best punch. I worry a little bit about his offense being his best defense because you'll see him take himself off the center line so much and kind of overextend. Um, but on the other hand, he's also such an offensive dynamo that you can see that he's just really, really consistent and an excellent, um, I did see some worries with his defensive ring craft. 
theft. And I'm wondering if we might have um, a potential issue where if his offense doesn't get you early and he's able to be stalled out, we might get an issue where he gets like tired out. Yeah, I think the the main concern for Topuri on this one is if the fight goes late, uh, Jordan's very dangerous late in the fight, and Jordan also like used a lot of a lot of weapons to tire to tire you out. He attacks the body consistently. He kicks uh, high a lot to, and his main his main uh, like objective when kicking high is like hitting your arms very hard. Um, he kicks the body and he doesn't mind if he's kicking your arm as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it can be, it can get dangerous for Topuria. Yeah. For Topuria, the saving grace on this one should be his wrestling. Um, mm -hmm. Jordan has been shown, um, vulnerabilities to being taken down, especially because he puts himself out of position when exploding and entering the pocket. And Topuria, very good at shooting reactive takedowns, chaining them. Yeah. Uh, now, it, 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 now go ahead. Yeah, I think if this stays on the feet, like it, it's kind of hard to tell what will happen until the exchanges start going on. Cause it's like in longer layers, it's more likely Jordan's going to be really, really brutalized. Though I can see Jordan's like transitions into the clinch that he shows it showed against Andre Yule. Um, and that awesome ass kicking. Um, yeah. just to kind of like being a good thing to use against Topuria here. I think this this him. is kind of even on the feet if Topuria is pressuring. If Topuria like starts concealing ground, I think Jordan fucks him up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of one of those go forward, you win kind of things. Jordan, like uh it, Jordan's kind of active hand fighting though might be a bit of a danger to him because Topuria will probably use that to attack and step in to the ribs. Um, I worry a little bit if this is a fight that comes down to on the feet, who goes backwards. Jordan's ring craft was a little worrying against uh, Julian Arosa. Yeah, because sure. it's like he'll cover up against a lot of combination strikes in particular that Arosa used. And that's a little worrying against someone who really likes to put things together like Taporia does. So yeah, I, I don't have much else to say. I feel like this is a banger fight as long as it lasts. Yeah, this uh, one should be good. Yeah. Taporia... Um, yeah. Other things to consider like um, Taporia is very good at converting kicks and knees into, into takedowns, but that's also dangerous because your Dane's very good at timing knees and kicking. So, I mean, Jordan has has two chances. I mean, has a chance early to surprise him with a big shot or a knee because Topuria, as good as he is, um, not the not the best awareness, not the not the most experienced striker. Um, and he also, if Topuria tires, like he can get he can take over the fight very easily. Other than that, Topuria, if Topuria pressures and uses the wrestling intelligence intelligently uh he should win a decision in this one or yeah, even a submission I, yeah I'll, I'll take tapori in this one i'm not sure by what but um it feels like especially if he gets this started fast then he's gonna take advantage um if he doesn't then that that'll be the worry i think it feels like tapori is the slight favorite but this should be a bad yeah tapori will have to use his wrestling for sure in this one but i think he he takes this one So we're moving up to women's strawweight, and it's Vanessa Demopoulos versus Silvana Gomez Juarez. And this one is the first fight that is rough. Yeah. Like, um, like, I'm gonna summarize Juarez just for everyone. Uh, Juarez basically backs herself up to the fence and gets really, really stiff under pressure, and then just gets athleted by uh, Lupi Godinez, basically really easy without much resistance on the feet or the ground. Yeah, she can she can kick, but she doesn't have like she doesn't have the footwork to fight on the back foot and she can sit back uh, the back foot very easily. Mm -hmm. uh, the Mobulus on the other hand is a lot uh she's not that younger, four years younger, but but she's very physical. She's she looks to be bigger too. I mean at mm -hmm. least like weight wise. So I you think can see I saw Demopolis get a little tired, but I don't think that'll be a problem here if her opponent gets backed up as easy as she does. Yeah, I think kind she'll of, be control. Yeah, so unless Wars did what Demopolis is, I, I think what um Aldrich did, which was reactive shot her um, a bit, this is kind of Demopolis' fight to lose. Yeah, Juarez is probably a, a decent grappler if she gets top position. Most, most people from South America are, but 
but yeah, I'm not, I'm not counting on her taking down like an American fighter, to be honest. Like, but yeah, I'm choosing the Mobulus by decision, but yeah, I'm not really looking forward to this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I don't really care. By the way, Demopolis by decision. Who cares? Um, Next up is Bantamweight. This fight's somewhat interesting. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name because I'm terrible. Rioni Barcelos versus Victor Henry. Uh, Barcelos, I, I think, was um, on a lot of people's radar after that Taha win about a year and a half ago. Um, he has He's only appeared once, and I think a big reason a lot of us like Barcelos is that he's very kind of Aldo-esque, wouldn't you say, Fainu? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Barcelos is cool. Like, he has an active jab. He can low kick, uh, very good on the counter. Um, he kind of like you know, pushes his punches a little bit from my test, but but he still got decent pop on them, and very aware with the with the footwork. He can check kicks. Does a lot of the a lot of the things that we enjoyed about like career Aldo Barcelos can do. Plus he he's a willing wrestler and a very decent one and on the ground very good controlling grappler. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah he, I think he has he has it all to be honest. Like so he's a very good fighter. Yeah, there, there's a lot of like little fundamental moves that don't really appear great by Barcelos, but he uses them constantly to create and deny entries or mess with expectations. Um, in particular with the counters, kicks and punches. You'll see like um he'll often like pair the kicks off of the hand fight into higher or low kicks or for more counters. That's probably his bread and butter. Yeah, some Check things the- with the mechanics could use some work. Like for example, yes. I said he he pushes his punches, but but that helps with the counters because he has this short trajectory in the counters and he's very mm-hmm. accurate with them. Yeah, he's um he, he's very surprising on the counter and is very versatile there, in particular with the check hook, I'd say. Um, my, my one worry for him has been since I've seen him, I do worry about some tendency to go into the fire a little more than he needs to. And maybe if longer exchanges against the savvy enough um counterpuncher happens that might be a little dangerous for him but i i don't really think this is the fight where that's going to happen yeah henry henry is a guy that throws a lot of naked kicks and i don't think barcelos should have any trouble with that yeah. uh, the base is not very high and barcelos has like decent foot, footwork to to avoid like getting getting trapped in firefights um henry is very tough and and can can throw wild in the pocket so he has chance also, like competent re- uh, grappler, so maybe like in a crazy scramble, he has a chance. But, but really, this one, this one's rough for him. Like, yeah, I, I, I wasn't too impressed with Henry's ring craft in particular. Although, like, um, it, you can, it, it, there's always a question of like, since Henry comes from Japanese MMA side of the world, like transitioning from a ring to cage, what that does for you. But um, he kind of makes up for it with, like, his, like, grappling and, like, being pretty strong in the clinch. But there's not a whole lot to say on the feet, to be honest. And that's kind of the concern because with Barcelos, you kind of see a guy who can kind of be well-rounded and capable everywhere. And with Henry, you kind of don't see that. Yeah. It's it's just a levels fight, really. Like, it's cool that we get to see Barcelos and, and hopefully he looks fine. But Henry is not, I don't think he's not the opponent to showcase anything new from Haoni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, Barcelos by late finish or... Um... Yeah, picking submission round two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take late TKO. Um, all right. So all right. we're moving to women's flyweight. Is... I'm going to let Fanyo try to pronounce this name because it's more <laughs> This fun. one is a hard one. Like, uh, we have flyweight and this Jasmine, jo- Jasu Davicius. Versus I think Hansen. Jazu Devicious. Jazu Devicious. Let's go with let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. So Jazu Devicious like aggressively will pursue the clinch. You can tell she's really physical. The thing is, her defense is god awful. I horrific. And so the moment I saw Hansen kind of throw in some combo and have like a little bit more craft on the feet and in terms of like the clinch and wrestling the kind it kind of became really hard for me to pick against her here yeah i think i think hansen is going it's going to muscle her up 
especially in the clinch. And, and the thing with Jasmine is that um, she doesn't have the tools to stay away from the clinch. She throws and she ends up there all the time. I think uh, she also is like used to being the more physical fighter and Hansen is very strong. Mm -hmm. um, also yeah, being it, it, like more compact is going to give her access to double underhooks and stuff that she likes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even if Hansen isn't the more physical one here, she's at least the more experienced one and like the more processed on the feet, and that might just be the difference. Yeah, I mean Hansen is is both is both younger and more experienced, and that's always like a, a good edge to have in a in a fight like this. So yeah, yeah. not 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 a lot to say, but Hansen looks like a promising prospect. Um, at least in the physical side, and she already has like grappling chops. So I'm mm -hmm. going by Hansen by decision. Same. Um, next is a men's bantamweight bout between Tony Gravely and Simon Oliveira. I think it's Simon. Uh, um, Oliveira. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, it's Simon. Who cares? Yeah, who, ca sure. who cares? Who cares? This uh, Oliveira gives the good ones a bad name though, because he sucks. Um, why does he suck, Fanyo? Uh, Oliveira, basically the. Your stereotypical like Brazilian Muay Thai fighter um, walks behind uh, light lead, 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 uh, leg and a high guard and just like spins a lot, naked kicks. He's very he's very stiff. He doesn't design disguise doesn't, the kicks. At yeah, all. doesn't doesn't move his head very much. Um, mm -hmm. And and as most as as most Brazilian kickboxers um, actually shines when he he forces a a takedown and ends up on top where where he's actually like pretty solid. That's like his best face. But the wrestling against an actual wrestler like Gravely, I'm I'm not seeing it happen. So it's probably going to get decided on the feet. And the feet like Gravely moves well, set up big punches. He's more fluid and also has like the wrestling in the back pocket if he needs it. Yeah, I mean, Oliveira is also coming from Dana White Contender Series and Gravely is more experienced than he is by a lot. And so it's like, although Gravely lost that last fight, you can tell there's like process there. Yeah, he's more experienced at a higher level too. So. Yes, too. Like Gravely is a little open on entry, which is kind of how he got knocked out in his last fight. Though, Albie, that was a comeback because he did knock the guy out at the first. First, he's pretty aggressive and consistent. Like, um... Um, he, he's not the best, I'd say, at disguising things with his tempo and pressure, -er, um, but at the very least, it does enough to, like, throw guys off as to what he's going to do. Yeah, he puts, so, he puts stuff together and can attack in more than one dimension, and that's more than you can say about Oliveira. Oliveira has, like, a striking mode and wrestling mode, while Gravely is, like, actually um, mixing the martial arts, as some people would say. So... I also think like Gravely is the better athlete of the two, so so there's there's not any any compelling reason to pick Oliveira here. I'm going Gravely mm -hmm. by knockout on the second. Yeah, I'll go Gravely knockout um, third. Sure, moving on. Yeah, uh... Uh, we're moving up to lightweight. It's Matt Frevola versus Genaro Valdez. Um, so yeah, about this. Aggressive, looks for takedowns, so like keeps a high pace and throws heat. The thing is that Fervola like does all of that, but it's like more experienced at a high level. I mean, they have like basically the same amount of fights, but Fervola has been fighting most of his career at this point in the UFC. While Valdez has been fighting like basically nobody's in in like the Mexican circuit. And yeah. Then, yeah, where is Valdez his last fight from? I will tell you. He it is from the Dana White Contender series. Was it a wild fight? Yep, but it was the Dana White Contender series. Yeah, I mean, the um, thing is Valdez has power, so um Fribola mm -hmm. like like went down on his last fight, but but historically Fribola very tough and very good cardio, mm -hmm. uh very scrappy everywhere, and that's that's exactly the kind of fire that give that gives like no process prospects a lot yeah. of a lot of trouble yeah like you can see there's things the valdez can do like we'll use some of his strikes to dive into the clinch but like he doesn't like do great job at really like mixing them together like the timing's a little off with them but you see the ideas there it's just the execution isn't there and the problem is like 
that that's a little concern against Frivola, who's at least capable enough of surviving like difficult matches against better chain wrestlers. Yeah, Fr- Frivola is like practice. your your meat and potatoes uh, all around MMA fighter, and yeah, and also uh, and also the kind of guy that can use that to his advantage. A lot of all rounders like kind of just like five, but Frivola will look like to take the fight where he's where he's better. Uh, he's not very deep in any area, but Valdez isn't either. So I think the, the experience and the discipline will take Frivola to a win on this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, experience is a big thing. Like um, Frivola does kind of collapse his feet under pressure a bit, um, which is why he gets hurt a lot. But Valdez may not be the guy to do that. So it, it's kind of hard to pick um, valdez to win this one it feels like for vola probably by decision yeah, if he if he does that's that's a decent win to have like beating for Bola. like yes impressive but not counting on it this time mm-hmm. um moving up to welterweight the next fight is michael morales versus trevin gals or or as dan likes to call him the owner of the best job in the UFC. Yeah, so um, I was so just when you think like you can't hate this card, sometimes you hear a commentator say a fun fact about a fighter. Or Trevin Giles claims to have the best jab in the UFC before the fight he gets knocked out on. On um, Giles of all people, <laughs> and Trevin Giles has zero jab. Is my statement. Um. You, you can tell he's really fast, though, but a lot of his movement's incredibly extraneous. Jackson Wink bouncing, as I call it. Yeah, also, so like, like, also like interesting to see how fast he will look, like, dropping down a weight class. Because yeah, he, he does... That's a fair he, point. He didn't look like a small, like a small middleweight to me. So mm-hmm. he's going to be probably very big at this weight class. Um, so... Yeah, so Morales is um, another Dana White contender series person. And my takeaway is that he's not ready for the UFC at all. He's very athletic. Um, he's very young, too. Yeah, um, he's young, athletic, but he's he's not ready. His ring craft is a mess, and you'll see him overextend on mostly everything. It's a, it's a bad thing. Yeah, he has 12 fights, but you can tell those were against nobodies so yeah it, I, i'm gonna say giles probably wins a decision and if he uses his jab he'll definitely knock him out because yeah 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 giles actually have like moments where his boxing actually looks like like he has some to it he probably spars boxers um uh, because he has like this composure on in the pocket when he has his eyes on this, his opponent but he also has lapses when he makes stupid stuff like closing in the distance like he is yeah that that's how he gets knocked out and also got him take taken down against Kraus a lot and Kraus was like way smaller than he was so so yeah that's mm-hmm. that's his problem like he doesn't keep focus it's the impression i guess because mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's like a guy that can do a lot of different stuff. Well, he can kick, he can box, he can wrestle, but but the connective tissue seems to not be there a lot of the time. But yeah, probably not going to be a problem against a guy that is like way less experienced and and has like even less composure than he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really have much else to add here. I. I... I think I've expressed my feelings perfectly on this one. Yeah. I mean, I'm going jealous by decision. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next one is um, a prelim at middleweight Rodolfo Vieira, who um, is this renowned grappler who got tapped out in the UFC. One of Matt Joya, our coworkers, esteemed things that you should remind him about as soon as you get the chance versus, versus Wellington Terman. Just tell him. Grappling isn't real. Yeah, BJJ isn't real. Don't tell anyone. Actually, tell everyone. Um, what can I say about this one? So, I think Fenyo and I were talking about this beforehand. Kind of feels like this is kind of a grappling fight to give to Vieira a bit. Um, Terman kind of had a split decision with Sam Alvey and looked basically middleweight so 
And yeah, for some like, reason, he's like a run of the mill middleweight that doesn't yeah, have some. Yeah, and for some reason, kept going for spin kicks and random one twos. It was a very, very, very weird, weird kind of thing that I saw. At least had the decency to the decency to put like some kind of volume on Alvi that a lot of people don't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, if if he stays on the field, like Turman is still the better guy. Like Biera is very powerful and and understands the stuff on the field. Mm-hmm. I think, but. But he's not experienced. He doesn't see shot comings. He gets tired. So yeah, Vera, has a shot Vera, there. Yeah, Vieira gets tired shockingly quickly. So it's like, although Vieira shows initiative with what he's doing and trying to look for, like if he doesn't get it, like he gets gassed down and then choked out, like that one guy. But we don't want to tell the BJ. So I got nothing else to add here. Yeah, I think. I mean. Thurman could be could survive early and make it to win, but yeah, beer by submission early is like the safest shot here. Mm-hmm. He's like like a lot more athletic and and actually very good on the ground. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So are we at the interesting things yet? Possibly. So now we're talking about a welterweight fight between Michelle Pereira. Uh, versus Andre, um, I'm going to butcher this, Falho? Uh, Fialio, I would say. <laughs> Fialio? Okay. Yeah. So Pereira, I think, has made a, a really um, interesting kind of attempt to transition into more of a quote-unquote technical kind of fighter. Stop being again, a complete meme of a guy. <laughs> the problem with Pereira, and this is kind of my theory on him, is, uh, and it's really exemplified well in his last fight, when Pereira can't get control of things, he res- he goes back to the whole wild spaz phase. So, so you'll still see the the process there, but you don't see the connective tissue. I think so. Pereira, um, when he's in quote unquote technical mode, will like you'll see a lot of rapid fates and some process behind the jab. His ringcraft is a little there because he'll look for pivots off of that jab and he'll look for counters and he's trying to stick to that the the problem is when someone gets in his face and he can't get them off he goes back to the whatever he is yeah Pereira can look like a competent fighter as long as he can reset and breathe and think about what he's doing but if you stay on his on his face even even if you're not doing it like well because Price wasn't pressuring, he was just like chasing him and that was making Pereira uncomfortable. So you can tell he, he does not like 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 having someone on his face all the time. And I think that's when that's where Fialio can can find some success because he seems to have a decent idea of pressuring. The mm-hmm. thing that bails out Pereira from danger most of the time is that when, when he's wild, he gets very scary because he's fast and he's very athletic. And also yeah like throws unpredictable shit so... yeah we, we may we may be making fun of prayer quite a bit and we should he's an idiot but um the thing about prayer is like although it's still really baffling that he backflips into price's garden although price isn't a competent grappler like the speed and like confidence of that still like you have to consider with Pereira that he's willing to do things like that and can still do it them late in the fight so plus Pereira is pretty durable here so there is going to be a question here with his opponent because his opponent can definitely crack. Yeah, but, can crack for sure. Yeah, and has that pressure. But you've seen Pereira kind of fight those opponents, and Pereira is pretty damn tough. So this might be kind of an experience difference here. So I think um, it might be a somewhat fun fight to watch, if not a little ugly at points. Yeah. Probably, if- you know, if Andre doesn't get scared of Pereira and just keep pushing for the pocket, this should be very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like if he has used space, like Pereira is also watched to find if if you let him freestyle. Like, yeah, he he does a lot of stupid memes, but he also like sets staff, goes to the body, mm-hmm. has some cool moments with the footwork. He I understand why some people like <laughs> like to believe that Pereira is very good because he has some moments, but the thing is that. I'm not sure he can execute that uh, under pressure. 
So it would be interesting to see if uh, Fialio try brings the, that kind of pressure to this fight. Either yeah, it, way, it should be a fun fight. Yeah, it's good that Pereira's trying to make a direction towards a more processed fighter. The thing is, you can kind of tell it isn't like natural to him yet. So yeah, yeah, that's but the thing. but at the very least, that will mean he's someone entertaining to watch. I think so. This this fight will probably be entertaining, but who? But it kind of feels like there's an experience gap there. So I'll take Pereira by decision. Um, Pereira right now, I'm, I'm taking the risk. But yeah, but look out for this one. I mean, if you want to watch a few fights, one mm -hmm. of them should be this one. Yeah, so next one uh, is a bit of an interesting fight on paper. Um, um, the bantamweight fight between Cody Stamen and Saeed Nurmagomedov. So this one um, is kind of interesting because who kind of is Cody Stamen at bantamweight is kind of an interesting question. So I would call Cody Stamen your average bantamweight, and that's not really meant as an insult. It's more of a way of saying that you see that he's a very well-rounded kind of fighter. Like you, you can see that he can't really excel in a particular phase, but you can see at least he's good enough to like compete on the feet with Jimmy Rivera to some extent. He can compete in grappling with Marab to to extent, but against like the elite of the elite, he's never gonna really like get there. He's very still like meat and potatoes ish, but you can see the processes this is there and whatnot. So Saeed's interesting because you can see a lot of dynamic to him you can see a lot of speed you can see a lot of unorthodoxy and certain like tactics especially behind the hip feints um it mean but those kind of spinning things mean that like more processed opponents such as the aforementioned barcelos we talked about him earlier are going to catch on to those and make him a whole lot easier to predict here so it, it's kind of a question here is stamen's process is in well-roundedness going to be enough to get the win here or is like Saeed's dynamism and maybe like athletic gifts going to surprise him for yeah. kind of the spoiler? I think the two problems for Stayman in this matchup, I mean, uh, the first is that he tends to, he likes to be the outfighter, and I'm not sure if that's a good idea for him in this one, because because Saeed has the, the tools to attack him from long range. He's a very dexterous kicker, and he, and he also feints. He's, he's actually good at kicking range. Um, uh, Stamen should be like the better boxer, but at the same time, uh, Saeed is the better puncher. I mean, Stamen has like decent footwork, has good ideas, but he's constantly betrayed by his punching form that steals mm -hmm. him a lot of his power because he's a very athletic guy, but he's not punching hard enough because of his wonky mechanics. Uh, Said, on the other hand, uh, like mechanics are not clean, but he puts a lot of power because he's efficient with, with his weight transfer, and that makes him more dangerous when it comes to punching. Yep. Um, if Stayman were to pressure and and take take every takedown that he can get and stay on on Said's face with the jab, he could he would actually get success. Stayman is very capable of doing that, like technically, but. It, it's another story if he does that in, in an actual fight. So it should be interesting to see. Yeah. I feel like um, I, I'll lean Stamen here just because um, some of, if the same problems that got Saeed in a problematic situation against Barcelos, I can kind of see Stamen um, sort of like emulating some of those. Yeah, I don't know the, if the thing is that as well. Doing them as well might be a different question though. So this will probably be a competitive three rounder where you might see a two. Yeah, I mean, Stamen can can learn a lot from the Barcelos fight, but he can he needs to understand the difference between Barcelos and him. Like yeah. Barcelos usually find better entries to his takedowns because he's more com comfortable in the striking exchanges, but Stamen clearly the better like Shane wrestler because he's an actual wrestler and not like an MMA guy. Um, I mean, Barcelos is trained in actual wrestling, but Stamen was like like an actual American wrestler, you understand? Uh, the other thing is that Barcelos is better than him at controlling people on the ground. So the thing is that Stamen should should allow, like, say, to flow, to just, like, shoot for takedowns again, use, like, get him back down, and strike a lot on the breaks. I think those are key for Stamen. For Said, the thing is simple. If, they, if Stamen takes a step backwards, like, just kick a lot and try to not get a a kick cut 
But yeah, I think uh, Stayman is the more tested of the two, like the most mm-hmm. tested product. So I'm going by him by decision, but this this is close. This is close and this should be a, a very good fight. Mm-hmm. So we're moving on to co-main events. So the trilogy that not a lot of people were asking for, to be honest. Uh, we have champion Brandon Moreno defending the title against Davison Figueredo for, I mean, the rematch for the for the fight where Moreno won the, the title. Um, uh, go ahead, Dan. So I, I think we're dealing with a couple of problems here if we're trying to predict both the outcome and winner here. So the first problem is we're dealing with two different fights where two different things happen. We're also dealing with no fights in between for either guy. And that's made expectations before fight two and after fight two really, really difficult to predict here. So the questions are, what things can we take away from fight one and fight two that might play out here? But are, are there other things we can play out that we've seen maybe outside of those fights that kind of might influence our prediction? um that that we can do so i think the main thing to do is to start with kind of asking ourselves how the first two fights went and in layman's terms fight one is a crazy all-out war one of the best fights in flyweight history that figurado probably should have gotten the decision over didn't and then even even with the point deduction i think i think it was like clear four to one yeah even though it was a hell of a fight, like it's hard, I, I think, for most people in our crew to score that for Reno or even a draw. Um, but nonetheless, a draw, a draw could be possible. A draw, yeah, you know what? Yeah, it might be. Um, I have a hard time with it, but yeah, fight two is completely different because you so, whereas in fight one, you see a very aggressive Figueredo who is on trigger at the bell, punishing the jab assaulting the body to try to wear him down um forcing like the clinch like elbow his head off like really really putting the pace on him and attrition on him fight two is different because he kind of works at distance and tries to play a bit of a counter punching game and kind of that's playing that's playing immediately into moreno's like new job so 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 here's the thing um fight two is also interesting because you see that Figueredo is doing something different. Does it work out for him? No. Like Saram pointed out to me, some of the counter jabs did work, but that's not what was really working for him in that fight. Nothing really was establishing things, whereas he was letting Moreno get all the work done. And Moreno, to his credit, did improve. Moreno's jab got a lot better in drawing things out, using touching to create throwaways, and then like really, really pushing that wrestling. Like, also, Moreno exploited like two of the of the weakness that Fiorello has always had with grappling but people had had trouble with exploring and that's that uh, out in the open he concedes double underhooks like super easily and Moreno is very strong with double underhooks takedowns from the clinch and the other thing is that uh, Fiorello is excellent at exploding out of positions and avoiding prolonged uh, scrambles but if you can set him down on his back, he doesn't have a lot of depth to his grappling game. Mm-hmm. And Moreno, Moreno, like finally connected those two pieces to put like fig yep. on his back for good. So the questions kind of are like, um, I I think the main question is is like, so those two fights were two entirely different things happened. How do you create a result out of fight three, and then also? why the hell did we get two entirely different results? And that's where this becomes a lot of guesswork and I think armchair psychology a bit. Yeah. So I I have some thoughts as to what happened. I think the thing in fight one is that you saw like over time, like although Figueredo was on point from the opening bell with his tactics and like punishing that jab with cross counters, hooks to the body, hand traps and his own jab, I do need to point out that as that fight went on, Moreno started creating answers to that and yeah. adjusting. And 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 you gotta consider that 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 was like super short notice for both mm-hmm. guys. But I think uh, Fig is better equipped to take those because he doesn't make a lot of like uh, opponent specific uh, adjustments. Mm-hmm. And and you can tell Moreno came very prepared for the second fight. Yeah, you can tell Moreno is also like 
maybe a slightly better in-fight thinker too based upon the first fight because what he starts doing um is something you see a lot more in the second fight also but what he starts doing is whenever figure he realizes that figurato oh like is trying to lead so he starts playing it into that by like letting figurato lead and counter in his initial movements or initial steps throwing his he does step in and counter as he does and that's how moreno starts getting a lot of success done as that fight goes on including winning like a crazy fourth but it's also like his willingness to keep engaging but also just by being like unfathomably durable to the point that i can't believe it still um and so i think maybe like there's an asterisk there where it's like okay, so you can see Moreno's tactics. Maybe they're made Figueredo go, well, okay, I should approach this second fight and maybe not give you those leads to, like, establish initiative. But there's also the question of why did you stop jabbing to begin with, Figueredo? That's a little weird. I mean, mean, between the two, like, Moreno is clearly the better jabber, but that doesn't mean that Figueredo should not jab with him. Yeah, it's um because like even if your jab is inferior, like you you can't just give that range away. Yeah, exactly. So, so the other the other questions are like if that so if Figueroa was attempting to do something different, that's totally possible. Well, because he I, I know someone pointed out to me the other day. Yeah, he was trying to emulate Kamara Usman, which is no comment. Um, <laughs> no comment on that one. So as good as Usman is, not everyone can be Usman. Let's just put it like that. Um, Or Saram also suggested there was a botched weight cut because, I mean, Moreno dropped him with a jab. And I've seen people get dropped by jabs because jabs can hit you really hard sometimes. But it's also like, it's still weird that someone who previously had never been like hurt that much suddenly gets dropped by a jab. So, But also you got to consider like, like Figueredo was starting to get hurt at some point because um, even in the fights that where he dominates, he takes a lot of punishment. Yeah. It's just that his durability has masked a lot of that. Like yeah, for example, also for example, the ass kicking he put on Pantoja makes you forget that Pantoja hit him hard a lot in that fight. Yeah, yeah, and Figueredo's um, like thirty four too, and that does like catch up eventually. So yeah, he's all for the weight class and. And you can tell he got he got an insane amount of weight. Yeah. Um he's so, incredibly lean too. That that killing that probably doesn't help either. So yeah, it, it's weird because again, like I said, we're doing a lot of guesswork here, I feel, especially me, for why fight two is so different than fight one. Because it's like we can totally just say Moreno definitely improved, which he did, but it, we're still sitting here going, like, why did Figueredo go the way he did? Because that's still bizarre. And it's like we have several explanations: weight cut, attempt at adjusting without. Really I, the thing is tools. that is that yeah, Moreno improved for sure, but we don't know how those improvements works against the the fig from the first fight because that guy didn't show up on the second one. Yeah, so it's like we can give credit to Moreno and also point out that Figueredo wasn't well what he was before. So and we don't know if he's those. going to be that again. Like, yeah, and, and so it's it's really interesting because um he's been trading a lot with Henry Cejudo, who worked with like Weili Zhang and or Zhang Weili, whatever her name is. Um, and and I do like a lot of the things Cejudo kind of has said on like the previews and whatnot regarding Figueroa and like ideas. And Cejudo has kind of proven himself to be kind of underrated in kind of the in-fight intelligence department and with game planning. Yeah, which isn't something Figueroa I think has excelled at maybe so that presents a layer here because moreno has kind of proven maybe a little more strategically and tactically adept so oh who who kind of who knows how to predict this fight really i i certainly don't but there's a lot of intrigue going into it yeah it's i mean for sure it's going to be a good fight um, if we try to like trace like a trajectory of momentum between the two fights, you can tell that from the beginning of the first fight, Figueroa was having a lot of success, and then Moreno was starting to find like answers to what he was doing. Uh, Figueroa still ended ended the the first fight very strongly. I think he won the fifth round. Uh, but even though like Moreno had this new information, and then moving on to the second fight. 
Moreno just like basically wins everything. So he has all the momentum and the confidence riding on mm-hmm. his side. He has yeah, and the, he has taken the, all that Fig can dish out, or at least he thinks that on his head. No, Fig on the other hand, uh, we don't know how he reacts to this because he hasn't been beat this way. I mean, he lost to Formiga, but you can tell that this kind of like violent fighters have always had the like the the cope of of okay, but he beat me like holding me down. It's not it's not the same as being dropped with a jab and then being shocked out. So so it's interesting to see where he's head at, what adjustment he makes, um, if he tries to fight him like in the first fight, if he tries to like do bouncy karate like Sehudo, <laughs> you don't know, right? Yeah, I think um, at the very least, like, th- this fight will be really, really interesting just to kind of ask where both guys are. Um, and although it's kind of just really frustrating that we got to see nothing in between to kind of really assess it, but, I mean, at the very least, this this is a good fight, even if the matchmaking is weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, it's understandable. I think Pantoja was injured, so mm-hmm. they made this, this trilogy. I wish... I wish we we got to see, especially Figueredo, we got to see him in another fight before throwing him to the wolves. Because mm-hmm. sometimes getting these kind of trilogies, like accelerated trilogies, can ruin your career, especially when you're a champion. So you never know. But hopefully mm-hmm. both guys put on a show and it's a good fight. I'm I'm going with Moreno just just because of what we saw in the second fight and part mm-hmm. on the good parts of the first one. Yeah, I think Moreno's wrestling is still a big, big problem, like the shows in Fight 2 that we saw especially and how he was pairing that with his strikes. Um, I'm a little torn just because I'm very, very interested to see Figueredo, but I don't really have the data to support anything, so I'll go with Moreno by decision. Yeah, I'm saying. Okay, should be fun. Our main event time, and um, it's an interesting, bizarre one potentially good potentially super boring francis Ngannou versus cyril gone um i i i'd say this fight on paper is almost 50 50 and at first i was leaning one guy but then i saw a few things the other day that kind of changed my mind um but i think this is one of the more intriguing heavyweight fights if not the only intriguing one we've had in a very very long time yeah at least some Fights between like former training partners are always like interesting because um let's forget about the, the stupid footage of, of Gannon's on Francis sparring. Um, I haven't seen it. I've seen like part of it and doesn't tell you anything really. But because without even seeing if you I I know for a fact that if they spar super lightly like again like schools Francis, but that doesn't mean anything for this fight. So but it's interesting because you get some the, both guys have some information that other fighters don't have moving into a fight, and that's always interesting to see. So clear the, the dynamic of the fight is super easy to to understand. Francis wants to wants to knock him out with the big punch. He will try to use his new his new tools of fundamental kickboxing. Uh, Gan, on the other hand, we know it's go- it's going to try to move around him, pocket him, use his feints, his lead side attacks from both stances, make him miss, and and that's it. So, can Gan stay safe during the fight, or will Ganu find the the ridiculous knockout? And and I think it's very compelling. It might not tra- might not translate to a good fight, but it's a very compelling fight. And I think it's for a for a change a fight between clearly the uh, both the best guys in the division right now, and that's yeah. makes it worthwhile. Yeah, it, it's an interesting fight at least conceptually, and that makes its own fascination. But it's like it's it's not a fight between two guys who are inherently the most exciting in the world, especially gone. Gone's whole thing for me is like I I've I liken Gone to a bit of some variation of like the Jackson Wink outfighting Overeem we saw a few years ago. Because yeah, I see it's a bit similar to that, yeah. Yeah, and I mean Ryan came up with the whole Jackson Wink parallel, but that's how I see a lot of how Gone works. Like a lot of the same smoke and mirrors, like a lot of extraneous like 
bouncing and faint. But it's like, but it's you, like the... but you do see, but you do see things with Gon's game that like Jackson Wink fighters struggle with, such as like a mechanically better jab, a superior kicking game, a lot of little tempo things. Um, it's like the like the most intelligent fighters from Jackson Wink. He he reminds me the, a lot of the, of the striking of John Jones when John Jones was actually good. Yeah, <laughs> like... except more of like an outfit fighter kind of focus and actually you know having a jab but um and the the problem most people have kind of had with gone is that they just don't really know how to deal with with someone who isn't really a meathead if you're a heavyweight most of the time so we haven't really seen gone like facing opponents who can really take him out of his comfort zone um so the question is is ngonu that kind of guy and i I think maybe (laughs) So we're the whole problem with predicting this fight is we're dealing with limited data, partially from Gon, but still with Nganu. Also with like, Nganu, yeah. Yeah, so Nganu sh- finally showed us a lot of looks in his last one because, for one, someone could last more than 15 seconds. Good job, Stipe. Um, the, the thing with Nganu is that you still see a lot of the patients counterpunching kind of procedures he uses. But you see a lot of more process now. You see the level changes. You see touching his way in. You see the level old attacks. You see more than like um, you, you see improved offense. Some shifts, some pressure, they're cut you off. In particular, his jab is a lot better at touching the way in to set up the overhand. He'll attack the body. He he's more urgent in the clinch. He's trying um, to he's trying to kick on breaks. That's good too. Yeah. Uh, even though the mechanics are pretty lousy, <laughs> and you'll see him also shutting down a lot of single layer like offense, like um a lot of Stipe's attacks to the legs, like Nganu checks consistently. Unfortunately, see, we didn't see like <laughs> we didn't see Stipe's jab a lot at all in the last fight, and um, that that would have that would have gave us. Uh, yeah, very that's... important data for this fight, but didn't have them. So, yeah. so, so what's interesting? Um, one one of the things that Gan usually like surprises people with is that heavyweights are not used to a guy that big kicking you so constantly because being kicked by a huge guy sucks no matter how big you are in return. And that's that's something that. We don't know how Francis deals with kicks when, when he can't counter. Maybe he can counter immediately with a, a big punch and punch him out. But what if he doesn't? Like, like Gan is very big, agile, and can place kicks. A very dexterous kicker, actually, for the weight. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are concerned about uh, Gan when he walks back because that's the way that uh, Ngannou killed uh, Rosenstrike on their fight. The thing is that uh, Gan... Gun defense in the pocket when he stays his ground is not perfect, but it's actually surprisingly decent. He can mm-hmm. cover be- behind his shoulders, he can keep a, a high guard, he can pivot. But and and I don't know if he lacks confidence of doing that more, or is more of a thing that walking backwards is free against heavyweights, you know? Yeah, the, the thing is like there, there are questions about Gon's ring craft because like I've seen it sometimes like little moments where he concedes the backspace a little too much from the center which will be the big like chance for um and and ganu to like really like show his pressure game and touching his way in because it's like and ganu is not going to run at him he's going to try to touch his way in a little more you see that a little bit more um the thing about gone is um like he also is kind of used to guys chasing him, and Ngannou probably isn't going to do that, unless he goes for the clothesline thing, but that's a different story. Um, so it's kind of a question of, like, Ringcraft's going to be really important for Gon in this fight, especially keeping the fight at the center and forcing Francis to follow him around on resets. But for Ngannou, like, cutting him off and really, like, shutting things down as much as possible is going to be important. So, like, I said earlier, Nganu does like showing things down on like in single layers. Gon works a little bit more than single layers here. So that's going to really, really test like Stipe, especially if Gon gets his kick game or jab game. Yeah. Game. And, and even though we've seen like Nganu's like um, progress, 
he's still like very twitchy like he reacts big to to things mm-hmm. and yeah. a, a big part of of guns game is like the the light taps and the feints and getting those big reactions find openings for the kicks for the big jabs for elbows uh, another thing that's interesting is that um is that gun is very very decent in the clinch uh, the clinch obviously a very dangerous place against Ngannou just because he's fucking huge and strong. Uh, so interesting to see how that goes because Ngannou himself has looked like incredibly strong in the clinch. He moved around Derek Lewis like he was nothing at times. Uh, uh, the other thing is that, uh, but for example, if we if we go back to the Derek Lewis fight uh, when. When Gan got his confidence at the finishing sequence and he stayed his ground, he he was not touched in the pocket. I'm not saying he's great there, but he has the tools to stay his ground instead of walking backwards with the shin in the air. Um, so that's all interesting to see. That's interesting to see how the, the kicking goes because, uh, as I said, um, Francis has now the concept of kicking off entries. He was kicking a steeper when he was trying to exit the clinch in the legs and worse. Those were like bad kicks technically, but coming from Ngannou, they probably, they probably hurt a lot and the idea was decent. So interesting to see if he can do that to Gan. I mean, Gan's kick defense has looked decent, but that has been at neutral exchanging kicks with Volkov. We don't know how it looks when he's like trying to move away. We don't know how scared we will Gan be about Francis. Mm-hmm. Um, also like interesting to see how how Ngannou's gas tanks um, is after a few rounds of reacting big to the feints or getting like his leg kick or his jab face, uh, his face jab. <laughs> so I, I worry, I, I worry a bit about um, Ngannou still has, even though he showed like a lot more poise and little things in between his moments in the fight against Stipe in the rematch. I do think Ngannou still waits a bit too much, and that's part of the reason why you still see those twitches there. Um, and against Gon, that that is a bit of a problem because I don't think he can afford to like wait too much and like against someone who is going to take the initiative as much as Gon does. So for Gon, ringcraft is important, but also like manipulating rhythm as much as possible, oh, is going to be especially important against someone where the margin of error is very dangerous, like Ngannou. Um, I do think Nganu's like um, opportunism is like the big thing here. I do think the shift that he used to drop Stipe is incredibly dangerous for um, this fight. If he's able to like put that in between his little pressure, especially touching his yeah. way in, I think that's going to be the really, really big danger zone for Gan. Um, I think Gan needs to test the clinch early to see how things go because if he has an advantage in the clinch, he should. Uh, start yes. using that a lot instead of going backwards. Going backwards again, Ganu extremely dangerous just because he's so powerful. So th- this fight's hard to predict. Ultimately, I, I think we've covered the gist of it. Um, well, I, I I I go back and forth a lot because it feels like um, Gan has the more tools to win here, but and Ganu is. Um, probably going to be my pick but this is a very um this fight will probably be um more of a minutes to moments kind of fight i'd say yeah um and i think a a good way of looking at it is um how many of those moments can gone really avoid and if they do happen can he survive them i don't know but i don't think he can 100% avoid them in a way that I'm 100% confident picking him here. Yeah, I, th- I think the the thing that gives me like confidence for this to be an interesting fight is that Gan has already faced like very powerful punchers in the in Royce and Stroke and Derek Lewis, and and yeah, he's he has been cautious, but that doesn't that doesn't throw him off of his A game. That is like doing his bouncy like lead side attacks and fainting a lot. So, so that gives me confidence that this should be like at least like a good showing for both guys to show what they're made of. Um, yeah. I'm I'm taking the recent guy. I I don't think it's the smartest choice, but I'm I'm getting this feeling. I, I think I, I think this fight's just 
a little close to call just in terms of dynamic, just because I think some people might be surprised with how competitive some of the exchanges might go. Yeah, I think I think uh, both um, there's a chance that both guys surprise us in faces that we don't expect. Mm-hmm. Like we might see we might see that Francis is a lot better at dealing with the with the distance kickboxing that Gun brings to the table, but Gun might surprise people with staying in the pocket too and not Gun- dying. <laughs> Gun Gun would do well to actually like try to um at least like tag stipe really no sorry um francis really hard because like that that's one way to deal with a big he needs, to, he needs to hit him hard yeah borrow from the old uh boxer lennox lewis playbook if you're using if you're going against a big puncher sometimes getting in their face is a good idea yeah it's super dangerous but might be like it's it might be a good investment if you survive early mm-hmm. yeah because smothering a big puncher in layman's terms means they can't hit you so i think i think if gun like i think gun should try to land the power jab early that's a very good tool that he has if he just tries to go like tap tap and little leg kicks um i think he just he just gives francis a good a good ring a good read on his game and he doesn't want to do that Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah it should be interesting i mean my my as a as we said already, it might not translate to the most exciting fight, but it's very compelling and it gets yeah, it may this not will give us answers. So. Yeah, it may not translate to an interesting, no, sorry, a fun fight, but it might translate to a very interesting competitive fight. I'd yeah, say. I agree. So yeah, I, I think like there's no wrong pick here. It's an interesting fight, and I, I think at the very least, even if it sucks, it'll probably be worth watching in some way. Good divisional sure. implications for heavyweight. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally fine with this fight and need main a main, main event. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cool. I'm I'm excited for both title fights on on this card. Yeah, but uh, otherwise, this card um was pain incarnate. Yeah, this, could be worse. this is going to be like a super slow night. I I feel like I'm going to be very tired for both main events. Yeah. Um. So I'd say, like, in, in, like, conclusion statements, like, the main events you should see, Teporia Jordan, um, Stamen Nurmagomedov might be fun. And the opener, yeah, Jack Della Madalena versus Pete Rodriguez. Yeah, Watch and, you should try to, and you should try to catch Barcelos, Henry. Yeah, Barcelos, not because of his opponent, but because he's, like, a very fun fighter to watch. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, I, I don't really... There, there, there's some intrigue, but... I, I, this card is basically Dana White Contender Series, series. Yeah, the card is not great, but at least we got two good title fights out of it, so. Two interesting title fights, yeah, it's, um, it's not the last three cards, but, meh, that's to be expected. Um, I, I'd give this card a five out of ten, but I'm being nice. Yeah. Five out of ten. Being nice. Yeah, it at the very least has some fun questions, but I got make it nothing... not terrible, so yeah. I don't know why they moved to Poria Jordan down to the like the prelims, but you know I mean I'm going good. to watch it also, it doesn't affect We're me. We're going to watch it. That's <laughs> one of the fights you should watch. But um I got nothing else to say. Um anything you want to plug, Fenya? Mm, no, not really. Like just just give us money on Patreon. <laughs> um yeah if you give us money on patreon you can go to our discord and uh try to engage us in intellectual talks and i'll just find a way to make fun of you i don't know or i'll just ignore you or i'll just like be very nice to you or i'll tell you about emil griffith who is my current project he's a boxer and he's gone but that's okay um yeah give us money subscribe to the youtube channel all that good stuff or yeah if listen if you subscribe um um we'll make matt joya basically commentate the tap out loss vera had about 50 times 49 times oh so yeah so what's the what's the next pay-per-view um i think it's i think it's whitaker adesanya Oh, yeah, I think it's that one. Are we still recording? Yeah. Oh, okay.
Yeah, it's Whitaker Adesanya, two, which yeah, interesting fight. And then there's oh god, uh, that card is. I think it's a bit better than this one. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bit better. I still hate it. Um, yeah, wait, not, never, wait, never mind. Bobby Green's on the card. We're saved. Um, Bobby Green, Alex Perez. It, well, I, 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 I'm not seeing Bobby Green here. Bobby Green's fighting Nazrat Hawk for us, it says. Okay, I, I was checking Wikipedia, but... I'm looking on Wikipedia. It's there right now. Oh, announced bouts. Okay, that, that, should, that should rock. <laughs> yeah, okay. Event saved. It is now a 7 out of 10. Uh, yeah, otherwise, I don't care. Um, yeah, I'll see you next month. Oh, God, month. Lou. Yeah, I'll see you next month or in hell. Who knows? <laughs> Thank you for your support, all. We do it. We do appreciate Thank it. Thank you, guys. Bye.